celebrating two years in podcasting and online ministry, you are listening to the Bellator Christian Podcast. Now join your hosts, Dr. Brian Shilton and Curtis Ellalo. Coming to you from Pilot Mountain, North Carolina in Ronan, Montana, this is the Bellator Christie Podcast. Uh, where we take Christian truth into the arena of ideas. And ladies and gentlemen, if you're joining us on our uh, live stream, we are trying out a new app which should uh, show both Curtis and myself uh, on both YouTube and Facebook Live. So we are excited about this uh, new app we're using tonight. And so you don't have to look at my ugly mug. Uh, you can see both of us together on Facebook if you are if you are if you are joining us, you, you only have half of me on the screen. Uh so so uh we are glad that you're with us today. Just a few quick things before we jump right in the material, because we've got a great podcast on tap for you tonight. Uh we finish out our series on pneumatology tonight, and that is the study of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk about uh, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, what that means. What does Jesus mean by baptism, by fire, baptism of the Spirit? John the Baptist talks a lot about that as well. We're going to talk about that tonight. We're going to talk about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit tonight as well. And then we're going to give a little brief uh, history lesson. We were event- We were planning on initially having this podcast, an episode devoted strictly t- for the history of the uh, doctrine of the Holy Spirit, but decided that uh, we were going to cut that short, but we still want to cover the issues and uh, talk about a few influential players uh, who were really uh, influential, used by God to help preserve the uh, doctrine of the Trinity as we have it today. Basil of Caesarea is one of them. So we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight and the contributions that he and others like him had Uh it's amazing. We were talking about this just last Sunday, um, and it will even last night in Bible study at Fellowship uh, Missionary Baptist Church in Mount Airy, North Carolina, uh, about how um, our faith has really been preserved. Many people gave their lives uh, to, to provide us the message of hope that we find in Christianity. And so we are truly a blessed people uh, and, and really better for it, uh, you know, not of course, obviously not because someone died for us. Well, Jesus died for us. Uh, but just this lineage we have, this history we have where many people have uh, really uh, helped preserve the Christian faith for us. Uh, and so it's amazing to think about. So we're, we've got a great podcast on tap for you tonight. We do want to tell you a real quick thing about uh, two additional podcasts coming up next week and the week after. Uh, but we have another theology series coming up here in about three weeks. We're going to tackle a big topic uh, called soteriology, which is the study of salvation. Huge topic, and really of the theology series we're covering this season, this one's going to be the longest. But before we get in that uh, series and start tackling those issues, 
we have a couple of lighter podcasts to bring to you. Next week, uh, we're going to have a podcast where, where uh, we're going to talk about, uh, you know, give some reflections uh, on my PhD journey. I've got a series of articles. The third one should be coming out tomorrow, God willing. And uh, we'll talk about uh, some reflections on some life lessons I've learned through the process. Um, then week after that, the first week in December, uh, we're going to interview Dr. Mark Phillips, and he's going to talk about an issue going on in the apologetic community called tribalism. And so he's going to discuss that. That podcast, uh, the first week of December, when Mark Phillips is with us, that podcast will air on Friday instead of Thursday mm-hmm. uh, because he has a class he has to teach that Thursday night. Next week, it being Thanksgiving, stay tuned, uh, log into our social media accounts and because uh, we're not sure if next week, if we're going since it being Thanksgiving, if we're going to have a Tuesday night podcast or a Thursday night podcast, stay tuned. Uh, we'll give you up to date information over at uh, Facebook.com forward slash uh, Bellator Christie or my personal page at Facebook.com uh, forward slash Dr. Brian Chilton. And, it's, and, and we'll share it with Curtis on his page as well. Right. Speaking of Curtis. I've jabbered a lot. Let's get on the champ, the man with the plan from Ronan, Montana. Curtis, how you doing, my brother? Oh man, we're we're hunkered down here right now. It's uh, it we got some snow, we got some cold. We just it it's miserable. <laughs> Not as bad as what the Buffalo Bills are going to be dealing with when they play their game. <laughs> what was it seven feet of snow? Yeah. They said, uh, what was it, by, by Friday there's going to be four foot of snow or something? Uh, there's going to be, it's lake effect snow. Well, you guys can have that. <laughs> my, no thanks. My, I've got some good friends of mine, Christy and Rob Sharpa. They're from Buffalo, New York. They live down in North Carolina. And uh, huge Buffalo Bill fans and uh, just great, great family, good godly Christian people. But I, I remember us talking with her one time before, and she said, they can keep the snow. She said, I, I'm glad we don't have that down here in the Carolinas. And I would agree with that. But yeah, I'm, <laughs> but I, we, I was thinking about you. More, I'm, I'm moving. I'm moving. I'm, I'm sliding <laughs> my way right on over to Brian Chilton. Well, Knock head on, on down. We've got room for you, brother. <laughs> Me and all my cows. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, boy, this is going to be a good one. The anointing and indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So let's just jump right in. Let's go ahead and get after it. Um, what do we mean by the anointing of the Holy Spirit? When we talk about the anointing of the Holy Spirit, I just really want to speak on two things here. First of all, uh, we, we talk about uh, the empowering work of the Holy Spirit in a person's life. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've mentioned this already, but it bears repeating that the Holy Spirit continues to empower us to do the work that he's called us to do. Uh, in many ways, uh, we, when we think of the anointing of the Holy Spirit, we think of him tabernacling with us. Uh, he coming within us, just like as he was the Shekinah glory in the temple of God in the Holy of Holies. So now he abides and indwells the believer in that Holy of Holies within ourselves. He tabernacles with us. And so there's a lot of Jewish themes, uh, even with the festivals that we find, uh, a lot of correlations between that. But we also think of the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the strengthening work of the Holy Spirit with this anointing. So he comes and dwells within us. 
He's our teacher. He's our counselor. He's our guide. Uh, but we also think of the empowering work, but he also gifts us uh, with a special ability uh, to do his work. And so, and as I tell everybody, and it's absolutely, I believe it's absolutely true, or I wouldn't tell everybody, um, that <laughs> that God has given us all a special gift and ability. Now, we all share in the gifts that we have, but I believe that each gift, each person's gift is just as unique as we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all have personalities. We all have strengths and weaknesses. Uh, but God has, has tapered, in my opinion, the Holy Spirit has tapered those gifts uh, to, to, for us personally because he can use us in his great knowledge. Uh, he knows what we're going to go through. He knows the people we'll meet. And so he gives us a special calling, a special gift uh, to to reach people he puts in our, in our paths. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, two things. One, um, his name will be called Emmanuel. Hmm. God with us. Uh, Absolutely. And then, secondly, the gifting of of our gifts. You know, our our gifts that we're talented with. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean. And this is something that uh, that that I've that I've had to have discussions with people about. Is, and I know you agree with me on this, Brian. But where you'll talk to them and they'll be like, well, that's not my gift. That's not my gift. My gift is such and such. Well, mm-hmm. I understand, but, but there's times where sometimes God shifts you out of, you know, just like moves you shifts you like a gear into another gear, into another spot where maybe that, that gifting um, can be morphed or changed into something. And it doesn't necessarily mean that that gift is the only thing you'll have your whole time, your whole lifetime. It, it can oh, yeah. actually move. It can actually change And your gifting as you, as you do certain things, maybe you, um, maybe you find out that you have more knowledge and wisdom in certain things and that, and that changes or moves it into another direction. That's a great point, Curtis, because, you know, some people are more outgoing, more uh, gregarious, and so they may have more of a gifting for evangelism, but God calls us all to evangelize. And so mm-hmm. we, we all have that gift to us in a certain capacity. Uh, and, and really, quite honestly, we can use that gift in different capacities. I mean, one could even say that we're using evangelism in, in a, to a certain degree, discipleship and evangelism with this podcast. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think we God has given us, has empowered us to do all the things that are mentioned in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But we have specialties mm-hmm. uh, shaped and crafted uh, by God's own hand. Uh, so we are unique creations of God. Uh, as as the Holy Spirit has anointed us, Amen. but but yes, well, you're right. We all have uh, tasks that we need to do, and we can't use the gifts as an excuse not to work for the Lord. That's Amen. very well said. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh my goodness. Yeah. So, what do we mean by the indwelling? Bomb, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It's like, it's like it's like preach it, brother. <laughs> I'm in the back row. so uh, what do we mean by the indwelling of the holy spirit then so here we're going to look at three passages of scripture and curtis i'll go ahead and give you yours and uh, if you would look to acts 11 16 and 17 
Uh, I'm going to look over at John 737. Kind of like an airplane. <laughs> 737. Yeah. So <laughs> this this is the scripture that, that John 7 verse, that section that you're talking about, is where I was talking about last week where Jesus stands up and he says, come to me. And this is awesome. You know, that's the part right there that I was talking about. Um, it's a yeah. huge, huge deal when we figure it out, when we get it. Well, I tell you what, when we, when I read that, I'll, I'll do 37 all the way through 39 uh, to give the full scope of that passage. But but uh, in, in Acts 11, if you'll look that up, Acts 11, 16 and 17. But before we before we read the scripture, I wanted to find what we mean by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit comes to abide in the faithful, the believers, to dwell, and the Greek word is oikeo, uh, in the community of those newly born of the Spirit. So he dwells, uh, like the word, I believe, if, correct me if I'm wrong here, if you have, we have Greek scholars, oikos, I believe, is the name for house. I think that's right. Uh, oikeo means to, and if you Greek scholars out there, if you listen to the podcast, if I, am I getting this wrong, uh, you know, leave a comment. But oikeo, uh, oikos means house. Oikeo means to abide in the house or to abide in something. So to dwell, abiding in uh, our lives is like someone who abides in a house, so to speak. Again, that idea of tabernacling. Uh, that indwelling. And so in John 7, we'll go ahead and 37 through 39 is where we'll read. And again, folks, uh, if you're watching at home, you're listening to us either on the audio uh, uh, or on the live uh, podcast, uh, I'm reading from the CSB, the Christian Standard Bible, and Curtis is reading from the English Standard Version. Uh, so if you like to follow along with us, that's what we're reading tonight. But uh, John 7, 37 through 39, on the last and most important day of the festival, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. The one who believes in me, as the scripture has said, will have streams of living water flowed from deep within him. Streams of living water flow from deep within him. He said this about the spirit. Those who believed in Jesus were going to receive the spirit for the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. Here again, they were awaiting the day of Pentecost when Jesus was uh, was uh, ascended to heaven. He had been glorified, resurrected, ascended to heaven. Then the Holy Spirit would come down at the day of Pentecost and so has impacted us as believers from that day forward as we are now able to be indwelt by the Holy Spirit. So let's take a look at Acts 11, 16, and 17, looking specifically at uh, the baptism through the Spirit, the distribution of gifts, and the sealing of the promise to redeem the uttermost. Uh, this is Acts eleven sixteen through seventeen. Right, and this is a, this is after Peter has his vision um, of the of the of of the dispersion of, of the unclean versus clean and 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 such. So um, it goes down. I'm going to start at fifteen, Brian. Okay. It, it says here, and this is Peter speaking, he says, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when he when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was uh, that I stand 
in God's this way, in God's way. So, yeah. Yeah, and, and CSB reads, how could I possibly hinder God? I Meaning the same mm-hmm. thing, yep. but just worded a different way. Uh, yeah, so we see that baptism through the Spirit, distribution of gifts. The We're going to talk a little more about the sealing that we have through the Holy Spirit as we go, th- go through. But uh, we see that promise. And isn't it interesting that uh, Peter said that, that the disciples were baptized by the same baptism they received at Pentecost? Yep. And so we are baptized by that same spirit. Uh, and when, you know, uh, it's amazing to consider. So let's take a look at first John four, verse seven. Let me get flip over there. First John chapter four, verses seven through 21, kind of a lengthy passage of scripture, but this is going to show how the spirit baptizes. We've, we've gotten a lot of questions of Bellator Christie. On this issue, and I haven't sent them to our team because I knew we were going to cover this issue. So Mm -hmm. if you are listening to the podcast and you are one who asked some of those questions about this issue, this this section is really for you. This podcast is really for you, quite frankly. But first, John four, seven through twenty one says this. Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God and everyone who loves has been born of God. Um. Born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins or the propitiation, some translations Mm -hmm. say. Uh, Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us, and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we remain in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. Now, here's where the spirit comes in. And we have seen and we testify that the Father has sent the Son as the world's Savior. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God remains in him and he in God. And we have come to know and to believe the love that God had for us. God is love. Now, here he said it again. God is love, and the one who remains in love remains in God, and God remains in him. In this, love is made complete with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. We don't have to worry about punishment because we've been redeemed by, by the atoning sacrifice of Christ and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Right. So the one who fears is not complete in love. We love because he first loved us. Now, when we get to soteriology, remember this verse. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. Strong words. For the person who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And we have this command from him. The one who loves God must also love his brother or sister. Long passage of scripture, but let me just say this. This shows us how God bestows his love upon us in a very personal fashion through this abiding Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. God is love. 
We can love because God has bestowed his love upon us. It's only because of God's love first given to us that we can truly love others, other people as well. So uh, because of this, the spirit, uh, he, he baptizes us. He distributes gifts with, for us or to us and seals us as a, as a promise of his redemption. And so powerful. There's a lot of other truths we could bring out of that passage of Scripture. I think it's just beautiful. It's one of the most beautiful passages of Scripture in the entire Bible, I believe. That in Romans 8. But what amazing promise that indwelling Holy Spirit who gives us even the ability to love. And notice he says that the one who hates his brother or sister cannot say he loves God because God is going to give us that capacity to love. Now, we may not like certain people. <laughs> Sometimes that love may mean we need to love them from afar, uh, but uh, but we still have that compassion. We still have that love for them that comes from God. And I think that's that's it. Also goes back to the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus says, "Love your enemies." Mm-hmm. Um, you have heard it said, but I say, and I love your enemies. And think about the cross on this with this passage in First John four. What was Jesus doing there? Yeah, he was he was dying for the love for us as as going into the future. But at that moment, he was also dying for those people who were doing the crucifying him. Absolutely. Very much so. And so, I mean, Jesus doesn't tell us to do something that he himself doesn't first do himself. Uh, He's not going to tell us to do one thing and him doing the exact opposite. So. So so he tells us to love other people, to, to even love those who persecute us. What did Jesus do on the cross? As they were nailing him to the cross, mm-hmm. he said, what? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Powerful, yeah. powerful, thoroughly. Yeah. yeah. So what is the baptism by fire or baptism of the Holy Spirit that Jesus addresses? And how do we receive the Holy Spirit? And this was a listener question. Uh, th- this one was added specifically because uh, this was a question given to uh, the staff at Bellator Christi. So uh, we're going to look at, uh, gosh, we've got a bunch of passages of Scripture mm-hmm. to look at uh, in this passage. Uh, but uh, the baptism of fire, otherwise called the baptism of the Holy Spirit, is the Spirit's indwelling of the believer. Uh, you know, we have the baptism of water. We go under the water, identifying with Christ's death. We come up out of the water, identifying with his resurrection. This baptism of, of fire, this baptism of the Holy Spirit. Remember, going back to a previous podcast, fire is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Right. So to be baptized by fire is to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. This was first mentioned by uh, John the Baptist. I'll go ahead and read this, Matthew three eleven. Curtis, if you'll read John 3, 5. Let me flip over to Matthew 3.11. Matthew 3.11. We're doing it old style today. I got the paper Bible here. Do it. (laughs) Sword drill. Sword drill. That is right. This this is the proving of the sword drills. That's what this is. (laughs) How fast can you be? Uh, Okay, so here we go. Uh, Previously, uh, John the Baptist... uh, saw the Sadducees and Pharisees come into his baptism. He said, called them brood of vipers. Now, how about that to get uh, them on their side, him, them on his side? Uh, he, he warns them of the coming wrath, and then he talks about the axe is already at the root of the trees. 
Therefore, every tree that doesn't produce good fruit should be cut down and thrown into the fire. Now, here's verse 11. I baptize you with water for repentance, but the one who is coming after me is more powerful than I. I am not worthy to remove his sandals. He himself will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire, the Holy Spirit and fire. So here again, we see that baptism of the Holy Spirit that John uh, prognosticates that Jesus would bring. And so Jesus did. Hmm. Yeah. And so John 3, um, verse 5, um, this is when um, when Nicodemus um, comes to Jesus um, at night. So I call him Nick at night. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> so... But this is when he's coming. He's because he he's he's like, hey, wait a minute. There's something different about you. I gotta know. I gotta. And let me just say this: on the series, the chosen, this scene, this part of this is so powerful. When you see the the yearning and the desire of Nicodemus coming and wanting to figure this out, knowing that there's something different, um, it it's powerful. So, yeah, so let me read this. Um, this is Jesus responding to um, Nicodemus um, <laughs> asking, how can one be born again when he is old? Because he entered a second time into his mother's womb. This is Jesus's answer right back to him. Jesus answered and says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And then we go on to verse six, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Oof. <laughs> Powerful stuff. So you got to be born in the body, uh, but then you got to be born of the spirit. It's, it's a second birth. That's why we use the term born again. Uh, we use that phrase all the time, and I don't think sometimes we even think about the connotations about what it actually means. To be born again is is following alongside with what Jesus said mm -hmm. in, in John chapter 3. We are born of the Spirit, born from above, and um, we're born again. Yeah. So if we look at, at Matthew chapter 28, I'm going to go ahead and read the whole thing. We're looking at verse 19. Jesus came. This is after the resurrection. Uh, they he has the eleven disciples in Galilee. Uh, they're up on a mountain where Jesus had directed them. I've, I've been kind of I've kind of wondered if this is the same mountain where he gave the sermon on the mount. I don't know, but I've kind of wondered that before. So Jesus came near and said to them, "All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth." Now here's the verse we want to look at. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of who the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you and remember or lo, I am with you always to the, even to the end of the age. And so we have that promise that he's not going to leave us. He's not going to forsake us. We baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So um, that's an important thing to remember. Now, Curtis, I want to ask if you will turn to Acts 5.32. Yeah. In that passage of Scripture, the, the question is, how do we receive uh, the Holy Spirit? Well, we're going to see in this passage of Scripture that God gives the Spirit 
to those who obey him, who trust him, and who respond. Now, here again, we're getting into soteriology, what we're going to talk about coming up <laughs> and the perspective that we're going to present. Uh, but w- he, he gives it to those who respond trustingly to the truth that Jesus is Lord. Romans 10, 9 comes to mind there as well. So uh, Acts 5, 32, how about it? Yeah, it says, and this is Peter um in when they've been arrested um <laughs> it's a fun fun passage so in verse 32 it says and we are witnesses to the things and so i these things and so so is the holy spirit whom god has given to those who obey him now who is he given to those who obey <laughs> to those who obey <laughs> powerful so we also take a look at uh there's a couple other here. Acts ten forty four and nineteen two. Let me let me take ten forty four, Curtis, if you'll grab nineteen two. Uh mm-hmm. Acts ten forty four. Ten forty four. Uh we're gonna see um the spirit is offered and given in uh and with personal trust in the son. Uh, as a, as the moment that a person believes, and that's not to say that there's not other empowerings that come by the spirit, but it's just to simply say that there's that, that the spirit comes upon a person. Let's take a look at 1044. When spirit, when Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came down on all those who heard the message. And let me go and read the, the circumcised believers who had come with Peter were amazed because the gifts of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. This floored them, this flabbergasted them. The spirit was moving in people they didn't think mm-hmm. would receive the Holy Spirit or deserved it. Yeah. Or deserved it. Yeah. 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 And so um, Acts 19 uh, verse two um, <laughs> and this is Paul speaking, and he said to them, "Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed?" And they said, "No, no, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit." <laughs> Sorry. Can you imagine people never having heard of the Holy Spirit? I mean, I, I mean, I guess in some circles in ancient times. Uh, right. I guess, but anyhow, uh, Ephesians one thirteen is another passage of scripture we'll look at, and 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 notice here it says that in Him you were also sealed with the promised Holy Spirit when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed. Let me go and read verse fourteen. This is too good not to read. The Holy mm-hmm. Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance until Amen. the redemption of the possession to the praise of His glory. Now that'll preach. And think about that. When when we're talking about a down payment, um, let's let's talk about that for just a second. When we're talking about a down payment, God God gives us something as a a reminder, as a seal. We are mm-hmm. sealed with Christ. We are stamped with His uh, signet ring. We are stamped with His marking ring. Think about that. And, and let me just go ahead and add a little bit to that. I'm so I'm so glad that you mentioned that. I'm not sure if we're going to cover this a little further down here or not, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it now. The signet ring had the authority of the king. And if yeah, that buddy. king 
put his signet ring into right. clay to seal it. It was a done deal. It carried the full force and authority of the king. Now, for instance, when we think of seals, the seal was placed over the tomb of Jesus. That came from the uh, the seal of, what was it, Pontius Pilate, I believe, or maybe yeah. even the Roman emperor. Yeah. It says yeah. no one is to touch this grave or to open <laughs> this grave under the authority yeah. of the Roman government. Well, God didn't care about the Roman yeah, that, government. That didn't matter. It was like, gone. <laughs> I'll show and you in, my stamp. <laughs> and in fact, my understanding is, as a Greek scholar told me one time, I believe it's in the Gospel of Mark, yeah. that the way it reads in the Greek language is that they didn't, that the angel didn't just move it. It's like he picked it up and, <laughs> and put it up to the side. See you later. Yeah. <laughs> so anyhow, so yeah. Galatians three two. How about this one, Curtis? If you'll read yeah. Galatians three two, yeah. and I'll grab Romans eight and nine. Mm. Uh, I'm going to start in three one here. He says, okay. "Oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you." Only this, did you receive the spirit by works or by the law or by hearing with faith? Mm. That's a bit of a rebuke. And how? <laughs> Man. Let's take a look at Romans 8 and 9. I'm going to actually back up to, let me back up to verse 5 uh, and, and we'll we'll meander down to verse 9. For those who live according to the flesh have the mindset on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit have their mindset on uh, set on the things of the spirit. Mm. Now, the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the spirit is life and peace. The mindset of the flesh is hostile to God because it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it is unable to do so. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Now, here's verse nine. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you. If anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. So that spirit of God is that seal of God. It's uh, he is uh, the, the the down payment, the guarantee that we are that we belong to Christ. Mm -hmm. So there's some other things we can mention here, but I guess we better roll on. But what a powerful series of scriptures we read just there. Yeah. So. Then let's let's just kind of go into this one. Then does the spirit continue to dwell in believers, or is it temporary? So we're not going to talk about the the controversy between you know whether the the security of the believer. We're, we're not going to get into that aspect. But but the question is now. Now Curtis is from the AG Church. I'm from the Baptist. That's why we're not going to get into that. <laughs> You're Baptistical, is what you are, buddy. I, I am. I fully admit I am a Baptistical. <laughs> But 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 putting that issue aside, putting that issue aside, um, does the spirit of God continue to dwell within the believer? Let's let's word it like that. And the, and the answer to that question is, yes, the spirit continues to dwell with us as his presence in our lives serves as evidence of our salvation. Now, we're going to get into some questions here in a little bit. In fact, I think it might be the next one. What if we sin? What if we've done something wrong? Mm. Uh, some people's theology is such that if you make the slightest mistake, oh, then okay. um, then you've lost it all. 
You know, if you've thought a bad thought, then you've lost it all. Well, there's no assurance. I mean, in Wesleyan theology, I really love John Wesley. Wesley talks about the assurance of salvation, mm. uh, the assurance of salvation. And and here we have that assurance because we know that Christ, the Holy Spirit, their work is what saves us, not the works of the law, as, as Curtis just read. And so this is what we mean when we say we have assurance in our salvation as God's salvation is not based on works, but rather God's divine grace. And Curtis, would you mind reading uh, sure. Ephesians 2, 8 for us? Powerful so, passage of Scripture. Before I read that, I want to just put this in somebody's, in somebody's mind. I just feel like I need to say this. If, if we don't have the assurance of God resting in us and the, and the assurance of the Holy Spirit, think about the anxiety that that creates in oh, people. Yeah. And then what does Paul say? Don't be anxious for anything. Paul tells us, hey, you're resting. The Holy Spirit's resting in you. There's no reason to be anxious for anything. So let's just go into this. Verse 8, it says, "For, uh, for grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. It doesn't say a gift. It says the gift of God. I wanted to write this down so I didn't forget. Um, there were two individuals that fit the bill of people who drove themselves nearly mad, mm. worrying about salvation, worrying about something they've done wrong. And those two individuals may surprise you to learn one is one of the founders of the Protestant Reformation, mm-hmm. Martin Luther. Yep. He had that. He didn't. He didn't have that assurance. In fact, there's a story uh, that uh, uh, I, th- well, I think it was in Wittenberg, I think, in Germany. Uh, but there's like a castle there where he is, uh, uh, he, he's writing something down and he says he's like, he can almost visualize Satan by his side, uh, Satan in front of him and just he's casting all these accusations. And he gets so fed up that, uh, he picks up his inkwell and throws it. And in fact, they say that even today there's a spot on that wall where there's ink still on the wall to this really? day where he, and his, his, his rebuke was the just shall live by faith. The, the just shall live by faith. And so that became one of his, his big mantras throughout. Uh, mm. The just shall live by faith. And so he, he began to get a little more of assurance of the salvation after that. John Bunyan, hyper Calvinist, uh, may surprise individuals. He wrote the book, The Pilgrim's Progress. I was just going to say uh, The Pilgrim's Progress. Yeah. He, he, uh, great man of God, but there again, he about drove himself mad. Worrying about whether or not he was that he still had uh, if he messed up, if he still uh, whether or not he was still going to have salvation or not. So there again, as Curtis read in Ephesians 2, it's about the work of God, not about the works of the law. Mm. And so that's important for us to remember. So for those for those listeners and uh, or readers uh, who submitted those questions, I hope that uh, those those uh, answers are uh, or, or what you need. And if there's still anything we need to follow up on or something that doesn't make sense, uh, be sure to write in. And that's, that's true for anybody. If you have a question, uh, go over to bellatorchristie.com. We have a page set up exclusively for, exclusively for asking questions. Mm. Yeah. And it kind of also, I just wanted to add in, you know, there's a lot of people that ask, have I committed, have I committed the blasphemy of the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? And, and, or am I still a believer um, by doing such things? And, and I say the conviction, you know, 
um, the conviction of the Holy Spirit drives you to question that and to and to find the assurance. The condemnation does not come from God. Condemnation oh, comes from the enemy. So mm-hmm. when you're feeling the anxiety of I'm not worthy, I'll never be any good, all this, all that, that's con- that's the condemnation. That That's coming from the enemy. You need to reject Absolutely. that. You need to rebuke that. You need to seek the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is salvation. Most assuredly. So does the Spirit continue to dwell within us when we struggle with our spiritual life or even if we are, uh, were to sin? So, so here again, this is just further expounding on the topic we have going on in the previous question. Um, so I want to read. So does the spirit continue to dwell with us even if we struggle in our spiritual life, even if we were to sin? Some people have even asked the question, I want to pray, but I, sometimes I don't know what to pray for. Sometimes I'm just so <laughs> depressed or anxious or something's going on in my life, and I just I just don't know what to say. I just don't know what to pray. Well, guess That's what? Here is where Romans 8 comes in. I love this chapter. This is probably my my favorite chapter in the Bible. Romans 8, 26, 27, listen to these words. In the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness because we do not know what to pray for as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with inexpressible groanings. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Hmm. So even if you don't know what to pray for, the Spirit of God is praying for you on your behalf. Mm-hmm. You have a Savior who's interceding for you. You have a Amen. Spirit of God interceding for you. Mm-hmm. Man, you got a, we got a double shot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's it says um in an, in another verse or another um another letter, it says um, he is our advocate. He he is our he is our our lawyer. Mm-hmm. You know, is that is that's what an advocate is. He's our he's our uh, uh, proceeding lawyer going before the judge, which is just that blows you away in itself. So, Absolutely, he's uh, better than Perry Mason. But well, let's man. take a look at First John two twenty seven. Got a got a couple more here. First John yep. two twenty seven. Could you read that in for us? Yep. And it says, but the anointing that you received from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you above everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. Absolutely. And so so we hear this about the Spirit remaining on us, the Spirit prays for us. You say, well, well, Brian and Curtis, I still struggle. I don't like it. Well, guess what? You're not the only one to struggle. Paul yeah. himself struggled. Yeah. <laughs> Listen to this from Romans chapter 7. I'm going to back up to verse 14. For he, we know... You know what? I'm going to have to read the whole text. <laughs> Bear with me, folks. It's yep. such a good stuff here. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, so sold as a slave under sin. For I do not understand what I'm doing because I do not practice what I want to do, but I do what I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, I agree with the law that it is uh, that it is good. 
So I am no longer the one doing it, but it is the sin living in me. For I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my flesh. For the desire to do what is good is with me, but there is no ability to do it. So it goes on down to verse, I I encourage you to read verses 14 through 25. I'm going to skip on down to uh, verse 24 and 25 and read this. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then with my mind, I myself am serving the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. In other words, all that, what he's saying is there, what what he's saying there is that he struggled with trying to do the right thing because he, he he wanted to do the right thing, but the more he tried to do it, the the worse he got at it. But he says, thanks be to God, the one who saved him is the grace of Christ. Christ saved him through the atoning work, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, and that's where his assurance stemmed from. Yeah. So then does the spirit offer himself to everyone or just a few people? Ooh boy, this is a good one. Curtis, I'm going to ask you if you'll go ahead and start, uh, if you'll make your way to Galatians 3.28. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- this is, um, there's a, there's also a prophecy in Joel where it talks about this, this too. So again, this is this is another topic that we're going to deal with in our soteriology section. Um, but in our opinion, uh, we believe that the Bible suggests that God seeks to save all people, not just a few. As such, the Spirit is offered to people from all walks. Um, let's take let's take a listen to Galatians three twenty eight before we move on. So Galatians three twenty eight, and I'll read into twenty nine to finish that out. Paul says here, there is neither Jew nor Greek, male or female, slave or free. You are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Now, I apologize. I was reading, I was saying that out of, out of memory because I had memorized the verse, the verses. And so I was doing it. And right as I looked down, I'm like, oh, I just, I just put the wrong one in there. But the point being, <laughs> the point being, he's saying there's Jew, no, there's no, no Jew, no Greek, no, no, no male or female. No, nothing, uh, nothing is different. It, it's, you're all one under Christ. And this is the this is the thing we have to understand when we get to heaven. There's not going to be Russian and American. There's not going to be Iranian and uh, uh, Iraqi. There's not going to be Israeli and Saudi Arabian. It's not going to be American and whoever else. It's going to be the kingdom of God. It's going to be the body of Christ. It's going to be the bride of Christ. Mm-hmm. And this same spirit, this spirit is offered to all people in the book of Joel when this is even prophesied. Uh, Joel says that the spirit of God is going to be poured out on rich and poor, uh, on male and female, from people from all different walks. So these things that divide us in, on earth are not going to be found in heaven. Praise mm-hmm. be to the Lord. Guess what, folks? There's not going to be a denomination of Baptist or Assemblies of God or Methodist or whatever else. It's going to be the a Christian. It's going to be the ch- children of God, the believers of Christ, and isn't that what matters anyhow? That's good. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> that's good. You know, it got me thinking about um, just now about 
the the you know asking for the spirit or or the spirit dwelling within us or or coming to uh, certain people or not jesus says jesus said and i'm going to paraphrase this a little bit but jesus said us being us being earthly fathers if we give if our kids ask us for for a piece of bread do we give them a stone do we mm-hmm. give them you know just like our heavenly father, if we ask him to give us the Holy Spirit, he's not going to give us something that's that's not that. He's going to give us the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. So then uh, what does the presence of the Holy Spirit say about our relationship with God in his, in his ministry of his sealing ministry? I tell you what, to, 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 to speed things up a little bit, I'm going to reference a couple of passages of Scripture. Curtis, mm-hmm. if you'll look up uh, Romans 8, 9 through 11, okay. uh, then I'm just going to kind of allude to these other verses here that we have down. So, um, so when we are baptized in faith, God, the Holy Spirit, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 21 and 22, tells us that the Spirit of God anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit into our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is yet to come. And we may have already read that passage of scripture. John 14, 17 and 18 tells us uh, that having given us this seal, uh, God does not later callously withhold or cancel it. But as these verses tell us, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. Jesus tells us, I will not leave you as orphans. So he's not going to leave us here without the presence of God. The presence of God has come Mm -hmm. through the Holy Spirit. He is that seal. He is that guarantee. He is that assurance given to us by God himself. So just as birth occurs once, followed by continued living, growing, and walking, so does baptism. So the Spirit empowers the Christian life with uh, this feeling and tabernacling of the Spirit. Let's take a look at Romans 8, 9 through 11. So here you are. It says, uh, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, because of our because of 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 the world that we live in the, the the place that we live in the spirit is life because of righteousness if the spirit of him who raised jesus from the dead dwells in you he who raised christ jesus from the dead will also give life to your your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells within you mm. all right what more needs to be said <laughs> Yeah. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives within us. Amen. That's power. Mm. That, that's that's a that's a wonderful way to end right there, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so let's just go here then. Does the Holy Spirit leave us when we die? Well, a- absolutely not. I mean, when we read the that last text, it tells us that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Uh, lives within us, and that also means that when 
when we die, we know that there's an intermediate state uh, between the time of our death and the time when Jesus raises us from the dead whenever he comes and returns. So between that time, um, even between that time, the Spirit escorts us into the presence of God. And when Jesus returns to resurrect us, the Spirit of God is going to lead our souls back to our bodies and provide us with the 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 pneumatikos soma. I'm going to talk about this a little bit in my upcoming book on heaven. This glorified spiritual body. It's going to be physical, but it's going to be supercharged. I think it's going to be a wait. spiritual body. <laughs> well, I can't wait for that one because you know what? I probably probably won't have bad knees. Probably won't have bad shoulder. Probably <laughs> none of that stuff. This? No headaches. Well, and really can't get into it tonight because we're running out of time. But if you look at the resurrected body of Jesus, that's what we're going to have. Physical, he was able to eat fish, but yet he went through walls. It's spiritual. Uh, he could think you of want a place. To open the door. Don't you have to worry about that. You just <laughs> it's it's something you know, and, it, and I'm de- going to deal with this some in the book. But it's 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 something where it's it's a different state. It's physical. But it's not going to be – I don't think it's going to be exactly the same type of physical body we have now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be some type of blend between spirit and physical that that we just can't fathom. Because, mm-hmm. again, if you look at the resurrected body of Jesus, that's what our resurrected bodies are going to be like. And mm-hmm. it is just going to be amazing. Yeah. Well – Brian, this is the last question here. We decided not to have a podcast on the history of her- history and heresies of the Holy Spirit, but can you briefly discuss those who were influential in defending the divine nature of the Holy Spirit? Yeah, there are there are three, uh, and just to really briefly, because because I really think that we need to give credence to these guys uh and even lady there was a lady who was influential on in this mm-hmm. uh, we hear the patristics but there was actually some ladies who were the the matristics if you want to call it that uh some very some ladies they didn't get the attention that of course the the fathers did uh but uh, there were i mean we're going to learn about one of them tonight very quickly uh there were three cappadocian fathers who were very important with um Talking about the Holy Spirit in our Christology section last season, we talked about Athanasius of Alexandria, the problems he had with Arius uh, and and the heresies that were going on in that time. Arius was presenting, and he defended wholeheartedly the uh, the, the fact that Jesus was divine, that Jesus was God come in flesh. Well, Basil of uh, Basil of Caesarea, also known as Basil the Great who lived from 330 to 379, 330 to 379. His younger brother, Gregory of Nyssa, uh, who lived from 335 and three, to 395. Their good friend, Gregory Nazianzus, who lived from 329 to 389, who later became the patriarch of Constantinople. All three defended the divine nature of the Holy Spirit, but it was really Basil who was best known for his defense uh, Basil and probably um, Gregory Nazianzus. But some even hold that there was a female scholar by the name of Macrina the Younger, who lived from 327 to 379, 
who could have been a fourth Cappadocian uh, because she also defended the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's amazing when you do church history and you learn about these movements, you learn about the things uh, that happened. It's amazing the things that you find. They fought against Arianism and Apollinarianism. Arians believed that the Spirit was distinct from the Father and Son. Uh, there was another guy at this time whose name is Tropica, uh, Tropiki, I think is how you say, or Trop- Tropicae. I don't know how you say it. It's T-R-O-P-I-C-I. Uh, he <laughs> argued that the spirit was divine, but that uh, the the uh, but was of a different substance. Uh, in 380 A.D., in a message given, Gregory of Nazianzus noted in uh, that there were many different viewpoints of the Holy Spirit. Some believed the Holy Spirit was a force. Some ple- people believed him he was sort of some type of a creature, and then others believed him to be God. Now, that's quickly going through this, but here's here's the big point: there was a group of individuals at this time who were called the Numa the Dumato. Machians, the the Machians, which means spirit fighters. They opposed the doctrine of the spirit's full deity. So just as Arius uh, argued against the full deity of Jesus, these Machians, spirit fighters, fought against uh, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit being viewed as God. Basil of Caesarea found himself combating these guys, and in his book, De Spiritu Sanctu, that is, On the Holy Spirit, he writes, and I want to read this text. It's a little lengthy, but bear with me, and and we'll close up right after this. He says this, We glorify the Holy Ghost together with the Father and the Son from the conviction that he is not separated from the divine nature. For that which is foreign by nature does not share in the same honors. All who call the Holy Ghost a creature we pity on the ground that by this utterance they are falling into an unpardonable sin of blasphemy against him. I need use no argument to prove to those who are even slightly trained in Scripture that the creature is separated from the Godhead. The creature is a slave, but the spirit sets free. The creature needs life, but the spirit is a giver of life. The creature requires teaching. It is the spirit that teaches The creature is sanctified. It is the spirit that sanctifies. Whether you name angels, archangels, or of all the heavenly powers, they receive their sanctification through the spirit. But the spirit himself has his holiness by nature, not received by favor, but essentially his, whence he has received the distinctive name of holy. What then is by nature holy, as the father is by nature holy and the son by nature holy, we do not ourselves allowed to be separated and severed from the divine and blessed Trinity, nor accept those who rashly reckon it as part of creation. So in other words, from all of this, um, he's arguing for very strongly for the divine nature of the Holy Spirit. Now, why why even mention this? Well, it's important because we join a great legacy, a great heritage of saints of bygone era who fought hard. Some people died to bring us these doctrines that we know and love and benefit from today. And so it's important for us uh, because one of these days, I believe we're going to see these guys in heaven, these guys who fought strongly for uh, the truths of, of scripture. And so it's important for us to, to recognize and appreciate the, the men and women who went before us 
to make sure that we could have scripture, the scripture in our hands and to know the gospel of salvation that has set us free for since the time of Pentecost. Well, mm-hmm. and really God was saving people, you know, looking forward to the time of Christ. Right. But that Holy Spirit uh, used these individuals, gifted them. And so, too, he's using us today to preserve the truths of Christianity and to pass along these truths to future generations. It's a great high calling that the spirit of God has given us. Mm. Yeah. I'm going to end with one scripture verse that hit me while you were, while you were talking, while you were talking uh, just now. So it's Romans eight verses 13 through 17. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you were put to death, you will put to death the deeds of the body. You will live for all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God Mm. and daughters. For you do not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as Mm. sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Praise God for that. And if and if children, then heirs, heirs of heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Mm. Powerful stuff. Well. We here at Bellator Christie want to thank you for spending time together with us, and we value that time. Our prayers at this podcast help stretch your mind and becomes a place to strengthen your faith as we strive to create an atmosphere of discussion and is a reliable source of information. Join us next time on the Bellator Christie podcast. Until next time, Brian and I say, soldier on, friends. You've been listening to the Bellator Christie podcast with Brian Chilton and Curtis Evalo. This podcast is an exclusive production of Bellator Christie Ministries and is protected under Creative Commons copyright, all rights reserved. The views expressed on this podcast may not reflect the opinions of Bellator Christie Ministries and its affiliates. We thank you for listening and hope you'll consider leaving a positive review. To see more from Bellator Christie Ministries, go to bellatorchristie.com. Bellator Christie is now on YouTube. Go to youtube.com forward slash Bellator Christie and catch the podcasts as they're recorded live. And there you can interact with the content, ask questions live on the podcast, and your questions may be included. If you don't make the live podcast, be sure to go to bellatorchristie.com and click submit your question, and your question may be featured on a future article or podcast. Again, we thank you for your support, and thank you for listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast.